The last page has been turned in my most recent read, which I definitely won't be talking about, as it was unfortunately a disappointing two-star book for me. The book I am talking about today I finished at the start of the week and fits with the theme of this month, fantasy and cosy crime. Not together, of course, though if anyone does know of any books that straddle those two genres really well, please do let me know. So here I am, no spoilers, as opinion-filled as ever and ready to roll, all of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I follow an ex-TV cook around the countryside and take in the sights while she solves a murder or two and does her best to make the most of a bad situation in the first Prudence Bulstrode story, The Last Supper by Rosemary Schrager. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer and ex-coffee addict. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. As you know quite well by now, I am a massive fan of the cosy crime genre. There is something about it that makes me feel comfortable and comforted, and as though I am heading into the familiar. And this one is something by an author who previously wrote cookbooks. So let's have a look and see what TV cook Rosemary Schrager has to offer. When an old television rival, Deirdre Shaw, is found dead at the Cotswolds Manor House where she was catering for a prestigious shooting weekend, retired chef Prudence Bulstrode is asked to step into the breach. Prudence is only too happy to take up the position, and soon she is working in the kitchens of Farley Manor. But Farley Manor is the home to secrets, both old and new. The site of a famous unsolved murder from the 19th century, Farley Manor has never quite shaken off its sensationalist past. It's about to get a sensational present, too because the more she scratches beneath the surface of the manor and its guests, the more Prudence becomes certain that Deirdre Shaw's murder was no accident. She's staring in the face of a very modern murder. Though she doesn't often trade on her fame, retired TV cook Prudence Bolstrode is sometimes called upon to be the big-name judge at local events. On this occasion, she is judging the Chelwood Gill Harvest Fair, the social event of the season where locals gather to judge and be judged. This year, Prudence is judging the best bakes, the best vegetables and everything in between, or at least she is meant to be, right up until her ageing camper van rolls down the hill into the tents, scattering competitors far and wide. There is no one behind the wheel, so Prudence is blamed for destroying the fair. However, our observant cook did spy her 17-year-old granddaughter, Suki, leaping clear of the vehicle before it hit anyone or anything. After the disaster at the fair, Prudence and Suki have words, kind of understandably, really. It seems that Suki has been taking it easy and lying low at her grandmother's for a while. She's in a somewhat undesirable group of friends, including her boyfriend, the wonderfully named Numbers because he's a mass whiz who dropped out of Oxford before graduating. She's taken to drinking a bit too much and was recovering from a hangover in the camper van when the brakes released and it caused all the damage at the fair. 
The pair are in the middle of a serious conversation when Prudence gets a phone call. It appears that her TV cookery rival, Deirdre Shaw, was cooking for a prestigious shooting weekend at Farley Manor in the Cotswolds when she died suddenly of a heart attack in the rhubarb garden and the party needed another cook. Prudence Bolstrode's name and reputation were what was desired. With an unwilling apprentice at her side in the form of her granddaughter, Prudence somewhat reluctantly heads to Farley Manor, rhubarb and Deirdre on her mind. Of course, being a stereotypical teenager, Suki is surgically attached to her iPhone and spends time chatting with Numbers, who is only too happy to send her stories of the manor and its dubious past. Farley Manor was the site of an unfortunate death when one poor, yet as we later discover, cruel, governess drowned in a stream, poisoned, as it turned out, by her young charges, who disliked her intensely and only thought to scare her off. When Prudence arrives, she and Suki are introduced to the manor's staff, Mrs Mathers, the housekeeper, Mr Lowell, the groundskeeper, and Flick Garrick, the maid. They are all rather innocuous characters who don't appear to have a lot to them. In fact, you find out very little about them until the end when the case starts to come together. Flick, in particular, is so irrelevant to the plot that she barely has any lines or role to play at all. The exalted members of the household include Rupert Prendergast, his wife Georgette and their son Richard. Rupert is a very entitled, cliched, wealthy man who doesn't care for the feelings of others and stomps all over them, as is evidenced by his relationship with his son, who is resentful of the fact that his father is so uncaring and oblivious. Accompanying the Prendergasts are Maxwell and Alice Pendlebury, a somewhat unmatched couple He is much older than his young wife who flirts outrageously and has a questionable past where Rupert is concerned. The final duo are a pair that seem to be there to round out the numbers, Terence Knight and Grey Williams. They have a barely there role to play in proceedings. For the moment you meet the unbearable Rupert and equally as unlikable Pendlebury's, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are in it so deep there is no way to shovel them out of whatever is going on at the manor. From the moment they meet, it appears that Prudence has Rupert's number. She can tell the sort of person he is and she doesn't like him much, but he is her employer and he is only too happy to let her know that She is only there because their first choice is now dead. He doesn't seem to have any empathy when it comes to the awful situation. It happened. Let's move on. As the weekend continues, more cracks begin to appear, not only in their potential suspects, but also in the relationships between them, which already seemed rather fraught to me anyway as a reader. Rupert is unhappy that Prudence points out that it is actually a murder they are looking at where Deirdre is concerned. He believes that she should just put up and shut up, and by mentioning someone could be in danger, she is ruining their magnificent weekend. Though personally, I think that finding another person dead could have a bigger effect on it, really, I think. Things are getting shifty. A dog is killed and a photo in the newspaper reveals something that has been hidden for almost 25 years. But how this connects to a second murder yet to take place and the death of poor unsuspecting Deirdre has yet to be discovered. 
As with all cozy crime novels, to go too deep into the story would reveal far too much. So if you want to know how Prudence discovers who the killer is, why they killed, and what the heck rhubarb has got to do with anything at all, because believe me, it gets quite a few mentions, give The Last Supper by Rosemary Schrager a read. This was another of those impulse buys that I'm kind of famous for. A book I couldn't resist. But then I have been burned by those before. Listen to my review of Death Before Evensong to discover how wrong I can sometimes be. The cover isn't all that appealing, to be honest. A line drawing of a dead pheasant. But the blurb just made me curious. It sounded very much like a Miss Marple or perhaps a sort of Agatha Raisin type book. And these are books I struggle to walk away from, even if I've been burned by one that wasn't great relatively recently. I read through the book rather quickly once I got past the first few chapters and the mystery unfolded quite well. However, checking out on Goodreads, it seems that the mysteries of Prudence Bolstrode have not done that well with the general reviewing population. I didn't bother to check The Last Supper out on Goodreads, Amazon or Storygraph before I picked it up, mostly because when it comes to cosy crime, I either like it or I don't. There doesn't tend to be some great fan following that screams whenever a new book is announced. That is something that it, it kind of seems is reserved for fantasy and science fiction. But there are loyal fans who will follow an author through thick and thin. I am one of them with certain authors and genres. As someone new to the genre, with The Last Supper being her first fiction novel, Rosemary Schrager hasn't developed that sort of following, though I'm sure she has for her cookbooks. Reviews show how different we are as people. A book that one person loves beyond all reason could be the next person's least favourite creation. Just look at the reviews for the really popular books like Fourth Wing and Game of Thrones. While they have gained attention from readers who have loved them so much they are getting tattoos and naming their children after the main characters, there are also those who will scream from the rooftops how rubbish they think they are. As always, I want to give you a balanced perspective because hearing views from both ends of the spectrum can help you make your own decision if you are one of those who reads a review before they buy the book. Sure, I may not share them and they may have found something entirely different in the book when they read it, but that doesn't make their opinion or mine any less valid. This is how they felt about it. Of course, as I always say, don't let any of the, these reviews, including mine, sway you one way or the other. Rian gave the book one star as they felt the author had a bit of an axe to grind. They said... A thin plot that could have been much better if the main character Prudence hadn't been so awfully written. In fact, the main character often felt like a Mary Sue, making it difficult to read. The book was full of boring, old and lazy stereotypes, such as teenagers being lazy and technology being inferior to good old-fashioned books. For example, the granddaughter Suki was pretty much forced to join Prudence as her assistant for a weekend as a private chef. 
Suki clearly doesn't want to do this, but is constantly being told off and reprimanded for not being 110% motivated and showing intuition. As far as I can tell, Suki has never worked in a professional kitchen, yet is expected to understand the role of a kitchen assistant. It blames her being a teenager, which is just lazy writing and poor judgment on the part of the author. The whole book felt like the author had an axe to grind about getting older and not fitting in with the times, that they resent not being considered a leading voice in the culinary world and that newfangled ideas and concepts are just silly fads. Rian's review focuses on the negatives as regards Prudence's character and her somewhat old-fashioned perspective, especially when it comes to her granddaughter, as there are only three fully written one-star reviews, it's actually difficult to see if there is a pattern. However, when looking at the two-star reviews, you can see that certain negative aspects of Prudence and also Rosemary Schrager's own pedigree are brought into question. As always, it's interesting to look at what someone else thinks about a book I have already read. Not only does it make me consider elements that were already niggling at me to the point that I wanted to rate something lower or higher than I did on first reading, but it also helps me to put my finger on the plot points that I enjoyed. I have to be honest, I find it much easier to talk about reviews in a more balanced way when there are more opinions to look through. Of course, there will be those books that just don't seem to attract a lot of traction online, even when they sell well enough to get sequels. And this book seems to be among them. Despite having been released over a year ago and already having a sequel on the shelf, there are only 647 ratings and 89 fully written reviews of The Last Supper on Goodreads. Luckily, the figure is a little higher over on Amazon, though the reviews are, understandably, far less detailed. Of course, as I do try to provide you with a balanced perspective, I should probably stick to using just the one source. It's just so much harder when some sites tend to attract different types of reader. On Goodreads, the overall rating for the book currently stands at 3.66, which is rather average, but it does depend on what I'm comparing it to. Death Before Evensong by the Reverend Richard Coles has a 3.37. A Spoonful of Murder by J.M. Hall, which I will be reviewing at some point, has a 3.19. And The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, which I actually really didn't like myself, has a 3.90, so much higher than the other, the other books in the genre. Some books in the cosy crime genre themselves seem to attract a larger number of reviews, whether that's through amazing marketing or a five-way bidding war that ends with Steven Spielberg optioning the book. Just 56% of the reviews for The Last Supper are four and five star, with 34% of readers feeling the book was simply average and 8% opting to give it a rating of one or two stars. Going through the reviews, however, I didn't see anyone who stated that they had started and were unable to finish. But as I have said previously, I think that this is very much reserved for books that are of considerable length. And as a reader, you sometimes need a notebook to keep track of the crazy goings on. That's not often the case when it comes to a cosy crime because they tend to be shorter Though I will admit, sometimes, personally, I keep a notepad by my side so I can theorise who the killer might be. 
that is, after all, a lot of the fun with this particular genre. Louise gave the book five stars. She enjoys a good cosy mystery and feels that food is an added bonus. She said, Murder and food, a classic cosy mystery combination. I love a really good cosy murder mystery book and this is a really good one. It's a little treat. Prudence is the prue-leith, I suppose, to Deirdre's Mary Berry. Deirdre got the good telly shows and Prudence got the ones that she did not want. But Prudence doesn't seem to mind as she made a good life for herself, while Deirdre is not very well liked. When word reaches Prudence that Deirdre has died in the middle of a private chef job and she is wanted to finish it, Prudence jumps at the chance as she smells something fishy in the manner of Deirdre's death bringing her granddaughter Suki along for the ride to investigate. This is the first in a new series of Prudence Bolstrobe Mysteries, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I cannot wait to read more adventures from this author. It's a really enjoyable book, simply written, and the ending and unveiling were both a shock and confidently handed. All ends wrapped up, and now I need the next one. I liked Prudence. She is a no-nonsense kind of older lady who is recently widowed and at a loose end. She hates new technology but has a good heart and loves her granddaughter Suki and wants the best for her. I loved Suki and Prudence's relationship. They are two totally opposite sides of the same coin. I can't wait to read the next book in the series which the author has given a small peek of at the end of the book. I will be adding this author to my cosy mystery list to look out for. Sometimes there is nothing more entertaining than reading through a mass of reviews to see who did and didn't share your views. It can be that a reviewer's managed to explain something that confused me. I do have a bit of a habit of skim reading sometimes when I'm reading in a crowded room or I'm reading as a distraction and this can lead to occasionally missing something that seems insignificant but truly isn't when the end of the book arrives. Everyone is different and what I want from a book when I pick it up may not be what someone else wants. Sometimes I want nothing more than to sink into the familiar and gain comfort, while at other times I'm looking for excitement and adventure and an escape from everything. As a relatively new author in the cosy crime genre, Rosemary Schrager is better known for her multitude of cookbooks and her stint on TV in things like Ladette to Lady or I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, neither of which I can personally say I've seen. This means that many won't know her from anything and therefore are judging her not for being a celebrity, but for being a new writer in a genre where she has no transferable credentials. Sometimes I wish I could understand far more about the motives behind a review. Knowing what a reader was thinking about the book and why they picked it up would make it that much easier to know why they liked it or why they didn't. Some reviews, it seems, are written by people who had similar thoughts. But as anyone who has been part of a book club or any club in general could tell you, this is something that happens quite a lot. If one person notices a plot hole or a plot that doesn't go anywhere, then chances are others are going to notice the same thing. However, I will always advise you that you take any and every review with a pinch of salt. I'm always happy to give book recommendations, as are quite a number of people, 
but like everything, they are very personal. What I like may not be anywhere near what you're interested in. So if you've got limited time, think about the things you like, the books you've already read, the TV shows you enjoy. And that's the first step to finding another book or genre you're going to like. There is no guarantee that any book you're recommended is going to be a top 10 read. Might be a top 20 though. So sometimes you just have to take a chance. Anyway, now I've told you about other people's views, let's get down to it. Here are my thoughts on The Last Supper by Rosemary Schrager. Completely spoiler-free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? I probably sound like a bit of a broken record when it comes to cosy crime and mysteries, but there aren't many ways to say that this is one of my favourite genres. Find a good one and you've got the perfect rainy day read. Couple it with a small plate of biscuits and a cup of tea and it's bliss. As the genre description kind of covers, they're a comfortable read that, despite the sometimes brutal murder, can be something of a warm hug. I have to be honest, when it comes to celebrity offerings though, I'm always just a tad dubious. Admittedly, I have been burned a few times with this particular genre and their celebrity authors, but as always, that is very much a personal opinion. At the very beginning of this year, in a style that is definitely becoming mine, I read the second Prudence Bolstrode novel by Rosemary Schrager over on NetGalley, The Proof in the Pudding. With many references in the book harking back to the first in the series, I have to admit I was curious. So off I went to Fox Lane Books website and away I came with an order that included The Last Supper and a few more tomes because no book buy is complete with just one paperback. Seriously, if it were, then I would save myself a lot of money and my TBR would not be as big as it is. Despite being keen on reading The Last Supper, it's actually taken me more than half a year to get around to it. And I guess what you really want to know is whether it was worth the wait or not. As I have already said, and it has been mentioned by a number of reviewers on Goodreads, I am cautious when it comes to celebrity authors. Some can be really good and you can't help but wonder why they haven't always been a writer while others were clearly picked up by an agent and published more because of their fame than their skill, which is, again, my personal opinion. Schrager's creation is, like her, an ex-TV cook who was famed for her home-style cooking. Prudence Bolstrode is, though her spiky name would suggest otherwise, and I have to admit that I kind of think more of Millicent Bolstrode from Harry Potter, a caring woman who only infrequently trades on her fame, and the fact that she was a household name in the not-so-distant past. She is incredibly determined, and for some reason when I read about her, I imagine a woman who is not unlike the slightly stern and very strong-willed Miss Frost, who was the head of my infant school back in the late 70s. I actually loved her. She had a heart of gold, but you had to get past all the nettles to reach it. And to be honest, she was the teacher that everybody was terrified of, but I, I found that she was fantastic if you knew how to appeal to her. And as a reader, I'm someone that just happened to be in that select group of maybe three. Admittedly, as is the want of an amateur sleuth in most cosy crime novels, Prudence is a very nosy woman who will interfere in everything and anything 
to get the information she wants, even she, even if she has no idea what she's doing. Schrager has definitely created a woman who manages to irritate everyone with her incessant nosiness. But there is that momentary doubt that this is what she intended, for surely being such a busybody is a way to ensure that she is next on the murderer's list. Anyway, it's clear that her curious nature is something that we're meant to find somewhat endearing, even though most of the time it's more annoying and frustrating than anything else. She is very old-fashioned in many of her views, which as someone who is almost 50 and has a mother in her late 60s, in fact, she turned 69 this week, feels somewhat at odds with what I know. This is clearly a woman with specific ideals, trying to write a character who has lived a similar life to hers, but perhaps has different views. As a woman who presented Ladette to Lady, you know that Schrager's own views will be very proper. That being said, the idiom is write what you know, and as far as food is concerned, she is definitely doing this. I was admittedly not a huge fan of Suki, Prudence's 17-year-old granddaughter. I know that it was mentioned in a review earlier that it felt that she was being very stereotypically judged. However, when you take into account what happens right at the very beginning of the book, it's hard not to. A bit of a delinquent who crashed her grandmother's camper van when she was a little drunk, she is purposely being set up to look irresponsible, lazy and selfish. Three qualities that make a character incredibly unlikable. This comes across really well. There is nothing about her that makes her someone you would want to spend time with until she starts to follow her grandmother's rules and behave in a way that Prudence feels befits a young woman who is working with her in Farley Manor. While I admit that sometimes I have been heard to say we'd never have got away with that when we were younger or even in my day, I do feel that Suki has been dealt a rather unfair hand in The Last Supper. Though there are more characters in this book, they seem as though they sit on the periphery. We get a little background into each of them, though that doesn't come until more than halfway through the book, when Prudence begins to investigate the death of Deirdre. And this is despite the fact that Prudence suspects that someone else could be murdered and that one of the inhabitants of Farley Manor could be the killer. Though I have to say I actually enjoyed the resolution of the book and, as with most cosy crime novels, it was all tied up in a neat bow. No, I am not going to reveal who done it or why. There were elements I felt could have been built on and others that could have been left out entirely. The motive for the murder is actually an interesting one. It is one of the traditional motives as laid out by Dr George Burgess McGrath, namely robbery, jealousy or vengeance. But there were so many red herrings slipped in along the way that anyone could have done it and the motive could have been any one of those three. Schrager hid everything so well that it could have been said it was too well, if that makes sense. I like a book that keeps me guessing. While I like to have some ideas and make a few strategic hypotheses, I don't want to ruin the ending for myself because a surprise is fun. When I read The Last Supper, I had no idea who had committed the crime or why, but I did know that there was a sequel because I had already read it. This shows me that Schrager's writing has actually improved. Her character development and the way that she created her drop-in characters, 
you know, the ones, they are the victim, the murderer, the suspect, and the family and friends of these three groups, has improved greatly between the first book and the second. For this reason alone, I can say that I liked The Last Supper, but it wasn't a book I loved. I read it quickly, the mystery was intriguing, and there was a historical element that could have been better used. But overall, it was a fun tour around a Cotswolds manor house with a few unexpected events. Will I read more by Rosemary Schrager? Yes, more than likely. I've already read the two fiction novels that Rosemary Schrager has released, and it's purely because I enjoyed The Proof in the Pudding, her second release, that I picked up The Last Supper in the first place. However, it seems that the third Prudence Bolstrode novel is due for release in February 2024, titled Too Many Cooks. I have to admit that I do love this use of cookery-focused proverbs as titles. Prudence has improved with age, and with each successive book, Schrager seems to be finding her feet and ensuring that her creations are providing us with more entertainment. Suki is less the grumpy teenager and a little more comic relief and help for her grandmother rather than a strain on their relationship. And Prudence herself is the woman that we were told she was always meant to be, the TV cook who everyone loved watching for her homely recipes and reassuring manner. If you're looking for something like this or you loved this and want something else, then try these. I am always searching for more cosy crime novels and have recently picked up four more that I will be working my way through in the coming weeks. There is nothing more comforting on a miserable winter day, and we're going to be heading for those soon, than slipping under a fleece blanket, snuggling up with my cat and reading a good book. Though to be fair to Darcy, she prefers to eat the corners of a paperback cover and prevent me from seeing words on the page with her backside in my face. Such a pleasant view. If you have a favourite cosy crime author or perhaps have recently read one you think I'd enjoy, please seriously send it my way. And of course, if you want any recommendations, give my cosy crime playlist a listen. I've posted the link on the episode notes for you to check out. November is coming up fast and I am not sure I am ready for it. I'm not sure how it happened and the weather doesn't quite feel as though it realises we are almost at the end of the year. The last week I have been a little slower with the reading and as I said earlier I read a book that truly disappointed me. It was a beautiful book with bright sprayed edges and a stunningly designed naked hardcover but the story itself just disappointed me. I'm not sure if I was expecting more because I have a tendency to judge a book by its cover more than I would like to admit. However, when I read it, I found myself unable to feel anything for the characters. It started with such promise but fell at the last hurdle. I'm hoping that the next book I have pulled from the shelf will be less of a letdown. Though I did have a bit of a blip last week with my book buying ban and purchased a few books that I have every intention of reading in the near future, I've been pretty good this week. I did fall to the temptation of the sprayed edge Waterstones fourth wing coming out in January, only to then see that they are releasing another version with a new cover, no sprayed edges and two new chapters from Zayden's perspective. I did not fall into that trap. And I am picking up a special edition of Yumi and the Nightmare Painter by Brandon Sanderson this week. However, that is it. 
The next books on my list are two pre-orders that I placed relatively early this year, Iron Flame and Bookshops and Bone Dust, which are both released at the beginning of November, and that is it. My TBR needs to go down by another 31 books before I dare to buy anything further. While I've been avoiding the bookshops, though not as well as I would have liked, obviously, I have been putting together a list of books that I'd like to buy because there are still 11 full width shelves to fill in my library. So much empty space to fill, seriously. It's starting to look like I haven't got enough books and I am still planning on an unhaul. So if you have any book recommendations, perhaps a new author or another genre you think I should add to my list, a very, very big growing list, email me at beingbookishpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram where I also post pictures of my current and planned reads. So check it out and give me a follow. Don't forget, if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read, and to keep up with my reviews, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website, beingbookish.co.uk. The first one of the autumn went out at the beginning of October, and I am currently working on the next one. Check out the link in the episode notes to find out more. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you listen if you haven't done so already. You can follow me on Instagram and threads as Being Bookish Pod, on TikTok as Being Bookish Reviews and on X as Being Underscore Bookish, though I'm not actually using that one as often anymore. The algorithms are awful. Or you can check out my website for the podcast back catalogue, which is rather large, and written spoiler-free book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I've got a lot to get ready for next week and another very, very thick book to read. So until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.